Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today? For as little as a buck a month, it's not just a contribution, but an investment that goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for links to the Patreon page. This week on the Route 16 Grind, in the outdoor update, I will cover the continued COVID-19 closures and the economical impact on the outdoor industries. From the field, Brian interviews Jesse from 8 Point Outdoors. Instructor One from Wrecker USA shares the three F's for fitness. In Rock, Mud, and Dirt, we're going to talk about a special Jeep Week event that is currently canceled and may just go away. Then we wrap up the show with a cup of joe. Route 16 Grind, Episode 20. Watch your head, Jake. The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by Sea State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. One Six Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. Here are your hosts. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Route 16 Grind. I am Brian, and I am with Ethan once again. What's up, Ethan? What's going on, everybody? It feels like forever, but we are back again this week, and I'm ecstatic. What's going on, Brian? How's your week been? Dude, I've been so busy, man. It's been like a stupid busy. Like, I feel really like, stupid busy. I feel like that's just an oxymoron. In, in a time that everybody else is just hanging out, you're just the busiest you've ever been. <laughs> I, I know. I'm Literally, today has been just so um, active. This whole week, I've been involved with a lot of my clients and constantly on the computer. Like People think like it's so funny. Like How can you be so busy when you're working from home? Oh, believe me, you can't. And I, I tell you what, my family has been so supportive with that. I go in and essentially I set up my work area and people just let me do my thing. And uh, yeah, I've been really, really fortunate with that. And you know, I'm fortunate the fact that um, I'm working for a great company and we're supporting some, uh, supporting some great clients and uh, we're pretty active, but there's a lot of people hurting out there, man. A lot of people hurting. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people that are without work right now. And you know, Harker's out to them, my best friend, he's, you know, he was working, working, working. And then up till a certain point, it's been about three weeks now, but you know, just served basically papers from his company, 90 day furlough. And it's, you know, when you work in the capacity that we do and uh, very few people are fortunate that, you know, you just kind of, you have the advantage of being taken care of due to, you know, the, the entities that, are the powers that be but when you're uh when you're just working for you know smaller scale companies it's just hey here's your furlough you can uh, apply for unemployment and that's it yeah and, man. you know you kind of got to pick up the pieces so heart goes out to these people in this weird time and you know make the best of it yeah well hopefully what we bring can kind of help you out kind of put a pause on some of that negativity and we'll bring some positive stuff to you and we're also going to talk about some other people about it might affect in the things that we enjoy out here so we got a great show planned for you so looking forward to it and so let's do it 
We appreciate your posts and feedback. One of the best ways to help out the show is to post a five-star review with your feedback on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. This helps us grow the Route 16 Grind audience, and we also get a chance to hear from you. So if you love the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts today. The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update. This is the weekly segment where we provide you with stories, news, and information from the recent going-ons in the outdoor world. And today, I'm going to talk about something that, it was a small thing that I kind of brushed off at first, but it got, it really got my gears turning uh, some very late hours of the night when I was up just, just thinking about, you know, the economical impact that this COVID virus and all these shutdowns are having on, you know, not only the world, but, you know, our outdoor industry. So, what had happened was, hey, it's these are all great things. I, I think that a lot of people, these influential um, internet personalities are putting out on social media, hey, get out there, do some things, retune your bow, shoot your bow, get, you know, get your rig out. It's a great time to social distance in the outdoors. But what had happened was I had a sporadic thought. I said, hey, you know, I've shot a four power lens in the scope of my competition bow for the last 10 years. I want to try a six power, maybe a two power, but we'll go with six. So I contact one of my sponsors and, you know, they are obviously working on very, very, very minimal capacity with their warehouse staff. And actually this particular company, I won't mention the name, is only operating on it's a family owned and operated company. So they are only operating on their family, which is a husband and wife team to successfully complete, execute and ship out orders um, from their warehouse. So they are still open. They are still operational. However, very, very, very small capacity. So I had reached out to, you know, my manager basically for the sponsorship. And I said, Hey man, do you have, you know, a six power lens one and three quarters, you know, for, for this site. And he was like, let me get back to you. So obviously he's the middleman. We play this chain gang of emails and he gets back to me a few days later. Hey, sorry, we don't have that in stock. Obviously our, uh, distributor, our hub, if you will, that we get our product from, and then, you know, they put their spin on it from is, you know, no longer servicing orders. They're shut down. So therefore we only have this, this, and this available. So it got me thinking, I was like, okay, if I, as a sponsored athlete cannot get, you know, a singular lens from, you know, this organization, how is this impacting everybody else? You know, this, it's a bigger company, but it's not huge, but it's also not an extremely small mom and pop shop. So I broadened my horizon. I took my blinders off and I was like, okay, so these, these companies that encompass the outdoor industry, 
cannot release new products. They can't develop new products. They can't they can't have meetings. They can't come together. We can't have functions. We can't have new releases. We can't even have workers in warehouses that are able to contribute dispersion. So, you know, I, I, it started to make me think, and I'm like, okay, here's the short term, but what's the long term? What is the long term impacts that it's going to have, not only in the outdoor industry, but uh, on the world? So, uh, you know, that small short story of, hey, this is a great opportunity. I'm home. I want to start shooting my bow. And I, I wanted to try a different powered lens to see what my, you know, eye perspective was of it and how it might tighten groups or, you know, positive or negative here nor there. The fact that I couldn't order it, it you know, it, like I said, it, it made me really start to think what impact is this having? So, I really want you guys to think about that when you're supporting your local businesses and, you know, down the road when you when things do start to open back up and, you know, these businesses that have been there for us through thick and through thin, you know, you really need to show them love and support. And you're really going to you're really going to see what impact this uh, these closures have had. And, you know, not tomorrow, not, you know, two weeks, you're. Over the next year, this is still going to leave a lasting impact. Um, So ultimately, those products you believe in, you trust, continue to support them in this time in the capacity that you're able to. And, you know, as time goes on and as things come back to an equilibrium state, just uh, keep that in the back of your brain housing group. Yeah, man, it's kind of tough. Uh, you know, one thing I've done just from the Route 16 side is, you know, if I have something on hand and someone hits me up for an order, I'll throw some extra stuff in there. I don't know what they're, what's going on in their life uh, and everything. And I have all this promotion stuff that has been sent to me from the sponsors and stuff for events that are no longer happening. So I'm, I'll throw in some decals. I'll throw in some other swag items, whatever, to try to throw some uh, positivity in there. But also, too, is, you know, when you look at, you know, when guys are hitting me up for orders, I'll sit there and I literally do try to get them the best price I possibly can. Um, the reality is this. I mean, yeah, I do got to make a little bit of cheddar, but I'll, I'll sit there and look at that because I don't I don't know what the impacts are, are going on with some of these people. And that might be the vehicle they need for daily drive, et cetera. So, I mean, for me, um, fortunately, you know, I, I do have, uh, you know, a job job and that's kind of a job E, but I appreciate the support that I'm getting from a Route 1 6 side. Uh, yeah, I'm a small business and I'm trying to reflect that in the customers that order from us. And then far as like the people that I look at beyond, you know, far as like the small business that we look to support, there are a variety of them. There's, there's some that we are absolutely direct dealers for that I am very concerned about because people are tightening up the budget and not sure they're going to get that accessory. Uh, maybe more focused on performance items as far as vehicle or better yet saying, you know what, that can just wait till later because the trail season, I don't know, even if it's going to happen. So people are like, you know what, we'll just wait till next year and see what happens or maybe wait till winter or wait till the fall or whatever. It's something you put off because you want to make sure you got the basic necessities, necessities of life covered, you know, your, your home, your, your power, your water, your kids, all that kind of stuff like that. Put gas, well, gas is cheap right now, but <laughs> you know, what I'm getting at, man, it's just, That's it is very upside. impactful. Um, and you, you said it right. Like the outdoor, um, 
you know, businesses and stuff. This is a game changer. Regardless of what you believe and how you believe on this whole COVID, I got an opinion. Um, Ethan's got an opinion. We all have opinions. But at the end of the day, we you need to come to this reality. This is a game changer. This is an emotional attachment that people are going to ride on for pretty much long as we're still breathing kind of thing. This is a game changer. And I don't know what the world's going to be like, you know, six months from now, let alone next week. But uh, we can get through all this. I'm not really too sweating it. And for me personally, I don't focus on what I can't do. I focus on what I can do. And I try and be extra appreciative of things right now. I think my key takeaway from what you just said is, is, is not only you, not only me, because I don't always think that way. Not, everybody doesn't always think that way. But I think we need to uh, envelop the mentality of, hey, it's not what I can't do. It's not what we can't do as a society, as a family, as a, as a workforce, as, as a populace of whatever you know dwelling you live in. It is what we can do, what we can do during the, this weird time. And like I said, you know, I'm not asking you to go donate to you know these different wildlife funds. I'm not asking you to go out and buy a brand new anything. It's it's just remember and consider because you have a job, I have a job, we all have jobs. Whether you're on you know a, a, an instance of unemployment, whether you're still working in the capacity of normalcy, just remember some of these people that are severely impacted by this and that their whole life savings, their whole family ties are into a business. And, you know, you just support it in whatever means that you can, because, you know, that, 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 that shopping trip that you take, you wake up at, uh, I don't know, eight in the morning to get to Walmart just to get one pack of toilet paper because that's how crazy it's been these last couple of days. The one pack of chicken you get to check out. I mean, I appreciate that they're putting these uh, stringent regulations on things. That way it makes it, you know, somewhat fair for people to evenly distribute resources. But, you know, make sure you make sure you think of those people because they might not be even be able to go out and buy those things that we've become, you know, let me digress a little bit. I appreciate that we have as a society recognized some of the more simplistic necessities in life through these times rather than, you know, exercise our focal points on the more frivolous aspects of some of the things that we've become accustomed to. But at the same time, remember that it's, it, we as a society are not just about us as a people or as a family, you got to look out for each other and, you know, honor thy brother and thy neighbor. So key takeaway, remember the people that may be more impacted than yourself from this current situation. The Red Warren Badge says you're equipped to handle anything, ready to conquer any challenge that may come your way. That badge has stood for off-road excellence for more than 70 years. During that time, we haven't stopped innovating or striving for perfection. Be ready. Be prepared. Go Warren. When you hear the calls, you know we have a report from the field. 
This week, I had the pleasure to interview Jesse from Eight Point Outdoors in Tennessee, who shared his story from a recent turkey hunt. Hey, welcome back to the in the field portion of the Route 16 Grind. We're here with Jesse from Eight Point Outdoors. He had a great, successful turkey hunt, and he's going to tell us all about it. Hey, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. No, thank you, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, I hope you folks are doing well out there in North Carolina and things aren't too too rough for you guys back home right now. Yeah, I, I you know, for me, I, I, things are open that need to be open, and it's not too much, of course, you know, this, the social distancing and thing, and, you know, people's, uh, you know, you can see a little bit of frustration coming in. You know what? That's why we get outside. That's why we go in the field to get away from all that, get some peace of mind, and hopefully we have a successful hunt like you. So tell us about that, man. Yeah, man. Uh, last week I decided to go out to my in-laws farm. They've got a couple of hundred acres down in Southern middle Tennessee. I deer hunt, turkey hunt down there, fish on the river that's there sometimes. And I'd been watching birds all fall during, during a deer season. In the past couple of years, the flock has been really dwindling. Um, and the two counties that are next to where I'm at, they've had the same issue. And you talk to a wildlife officer down there, he said a flu kind of came through and really kind of wiped the population out. So over the past couple of years, it's, it's been building back up. And I knew that this spring was going to be a really, really good spring. Um, you know, sitting in the deer stand, I would see flocks, you know, 20, 30 toms come through at a time. And that's a lot of bearded birds. Um, wow, man. Wow. <laughs> I'm already salivating here. Oh yeah. It's been, it's been phenomenal so far. I've, I've gone on two hunts, killed two birds. Uh, the first week that I was down there, uh, I got in uh, pretty late, you know, the sun was well up and I knew a spot where I wanted to be at. It was, uh, I call it a strutting ridge. And so what that is, okay. is it's just this long strip of fields. And it's, if you look on the map, it's well over a mile long, and my in-laws happen to own three quarters of that. So it's a very, very long strip of field that birds just strut in all the time. Uh, hens come out there, they'll feed, and toms will chase them. Groups of jakes, I mean, just, you know, every time you drive down the road, you see birds. So I set up in that general area, and the I didn't go out the opening weekend because typically around here, we have a problem with toms are hinned up. Um, early in the season you know they got their hens and it's it's really hard to call them in unless you've patterned them they're just hard to hunt that first couple of weeks so i saved this destination for uh, when i knew that they wouldn't be hinned up and so i show up a little bit late get set up where i, I think that they're going to be and i start calling and I'm, they're roosted across the street and it's you know two three hundred yards but i can tell he's he's pretty worked up and when he flies down i mean he's just gobble 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 just would not shut up and i'm you know yelping back and forth at him and he can hear me because it's just so flat and i can that call will reach out a long way and um i i got all this on video i finally was able to see him he, he you know how turkeys when they're running it's those two little bitty legs are flying and their bodies are wobbling and right right <laughs> I, <laughs> I could see him flying down the hill you know the little bitty legs going and he hits a gate and has no idea what to do and circles around this gate i mean it's 125 yards away maybe it finally gets through and he just struts all the way in i mean i'm calling him, i'm working him and you know it's absolutely perfect the, the way you want it when you're turkey hunting now you have your decoys out too no i did not use decoys. okay okay uh, no decoys I'm, I'm, you know decoys work 
but I've just never, I don't like hauling them in. I mean, when you're carrying camera equipment in and then all your stuff, it's just, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm running no decoys. I'm kind of tucked away in the woods and I mean, he's thinking there's a bird there. Uh, right, right. And he's, he's working his way in, working his way in. And, um, I, I really enjoy videoing, videoing my hunts. And rule number one is always get the shot on camera. Always. Um, so I've got this birdie. He gets into about 35 yards and well in gun range. And I've got him on camera, but it looks like he's going to work out in front of me at the same distance. And that's going to be a much better view and an easier shot as well. And so keep working him, keep working him. He's not moving. He's just kind of staying there. And he's all looking of a sudden, for his girl. And decides that he's going to turn around and go all the way back. <laughs> so all that work takes over an hour to get him in. So I raise up. I got the, I can I got him on camera and I shoot 35 yards and I miss. Absolute clean miss. I mean, the, he could not have come in any more perfectly. Things could not have worked out any better. And me just absolutely blow it. Uh, no idea how I missed that bird. And so I'm like completely defeated at this point. Um you know, looking, I, I tried to zoom in the best I could. I think he was a double beard. I couldn't tell. Uh, but he's a good, good sized bird. Right. And you just feel sick to your stomach when that happens. So <laughs> I, I thought, man, I'm not, I can't sit here any longer because I know I'm not going to work any more birds in here after doing all that spooking. So I worked my way back to the top of the hill on, on this farm where I can look down into a, a hay field that hadn't been cut yet. And it's, 400 yards away minimum. I mean, maybe longer. And uh, I pull the binoculars up and there's four birds out there. And I know two of them have beards. Um, one of them strutting and the other one I could tell he had a beard. So I kind of worked my way down through the woods and I set up maybe 120 yards from these birds, um, hoping that maybe they'll kind of work their way over to me. I didn't know which side of the field they were going to go on. So it was kind of a shot in the dark. I didn't want to get too close to them. So I sat up and I was kind of in a bad spot. I sat up kind of wide out in the open and just started calling. And all of a sudden just, you know, hear that gobble and it, it's, a, it's, he's roaring. So I know he's close and, uh, get the camera on and he, his, one of their heads pops out. You know, you got that, that white head shows up and he's, right. he's looking around, looking around like what's going on. And I'm thinking these birds are going to spot me because I'm just leaned up against this tree right out in the open. I mean, nothing's hiding, you know, just not a, not a real good secluded area. So I keep calling and working these birds and two of them step out and, uh, they get within 15 yards of me kind of around a little bin. And I could see on the camera, I get a warning that says memory card has filled up. <laughs> <laughs> Technology, I man. I didn't realize it. I still had footage on there from a, a public land hunt a few weeks ago that I just, I guess I didn't delete and it filled the card up. And so all my cam, my camera shuts off as these birds are coming in and, uh, I take a shot and I get one and, you know, nice. I hate to have not gotten that one on film. Um, if, if you guys follow me on YouTube at eight point outdoors, you're going to see all this kind of play out in a two part video, but yeah, ended up putting the first one down for the year. Uh, he was well over 20 pounds. I would say about 22 pounds and he had a 10 and a quarter inch beard, but the crazy thing is he didn't have any spurs. No way. Really? No spurs. Yeah. 
I said, I could, it didn't look like he had broken them off. It just looked like they never grew in. He had little bitty nubs. Um, they just never came in. That's the first time I've ever killed a bird. With I, I'll be honest. I've never heard that. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty crazy. I've killed birds. I killed one last year that had a broken spur and, you know, he had one and then broke the other one off, but I've never killed a bird that came in with no spurs. <laughs> well, then you had to like, you know, frame the legs there. Yeah. It's a, uh, He's a good sized bird. I was I was very happy to take him, and I shot the first one that you know his head popped out. So uh, yeah, it's exciting. It feels good to have one down, and I finally got another one down yesterday too. Oh, great! Tell us about that, man. Yeah, um, yesterday's hunt was pretty wild. Um, got out there, and this is a cattle farm that I hunt, so there's tons of cows out, and they were in the area where I was planning on going to. Um, Yesterday, the weather here was really, really bad. I mean, it's pouring rain and it's freezing cold. So the birds are quiet um, when the sun came up. I mean, I was calling, calling, trying to find out where they're roosted and just nothing. Absolutely silent. So I sat up in the same spot that I sat up in last week thinking, man, I might get lucky and maybe that, maybe a Tom will strut through this area again. And, uh, I brought the blind with me, which I don't normally hunt out of a blind. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just right. I like to get boots on the ground and get to moving. But with, with the, the weather, it just seems like a, a, a sound decision there. Yeah. I mean, with the weather being so bad, I brought the blind and said, I really don't want to get wet and get the camera wet. So I get in the blind and a possum walks up to me, uh, which, <laughs> you know, two feet away, which is never fun. So, uh, you know, he's he all got- hissing at you. Yeah, yeah, he got scared away, and thankfully. And then I saw a bobcat for the very first time ever. Um, You know, I've hunted since I was eight or nine years old, and I have never seen a bobcat in the wild. And one come running across the field, and he's looking right at me like he knows that I'm there and (laughs) just kept on going. And then um, I'm sitting in the blind, and I could hear a cow back behind me in the woods. And she ain't very far, but she is bawling, I mean, upset and um, all of us, all of a sudden I hear these feet stomping, I mean, charging. And I, I pull my hand over the side of the blind and pull the flap down and she's coming right at me. Like, oh, wow. Down. I mean, charging right at me. So I stand up and I yell as loud as I possibly can. And <laughs> she spotted me and took off like past me and went up to, towards a fence line. And I don't know what her deal was, but, uh, I, I, you know, Needed to change underwear after that and, uh, <laughs> you know, getting trampled by a cow. But I decided I was going to move out of there because, I mean, she scared me pretty good. You know, I mean, um, sitting in a blind and they don't know what you're at, what, what you are, and they trample you. I mean, God, you can get hurt doing that. So I got out of the blind after the rain moved off and moved into the cedar thicket and sat up, hit the call one time. It's really thick in this area. Um, but I hit, I hit a slate call one time, just a couple of yelps and I hear a gobble that can't be more than 10 yards away from Oh, wow. Me. That is yeah. awesome. That this, is awesome. This bird is close and didn't spot me. So I sat down immediately and, uh, pulled my pad out, got my gun up, got the camera on and all of a sudden like five heads pop out, you know, I could see beards swinging and like, holy crap. I mean, this is, you know. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a shot at the first one that steps out, but it's a good chunk of birds that are coming through here. Right. And they all step behind these two big old white oak trees. Um, so I, they disappear for a minute. And the first redhead that pops out, boom, 
take him down. All these other birds fly off. And, uh, you know, you get excited when that bird goes down and he's flopping and you run up to go check him. I walk up and it's a freaking super Jake. <laughs> no way. The only Jake in the group, like all of them were long beards. This, this, this guy had, he had a Jake fan, uh, maybe quarter inch spurs and like a four and a half inch beard. And I felt, I felt awful. I mean, I hate to shoot a Jake, but right, right. It feels good to get another one and the Jakes eat just as good as Tom's do, but you know, I'm expecting this long beard to be laying there after watching these birds come in and it's a, what, it's a well, see the experience Tom's were like, Hey man, go take a look, see if he's still out there. And yeah, well he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like they sent him out first, you know, a little reconnaissance, right? Yeah. Things out. So, and then he got his head blown off, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, so two tags down, two to go. There's a, for, for in North Carolina, we get a two bearded as what we're allowed far as tags. So that's really cool. You, you, you get a, a little, a couple more, but you had some uh, good things you mentioned uh, that led up to you having successful hunts. One, you knew, knew the property, uh, that that's a big one, but you, you also mentioned like during the deer season, you did a lot of scouting during that period. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, vice versa with deer and turkey. You know, even right now, I'm scouting for deer. Um, well, first of all, I'll start with knowing the property. And I think that it doesn't matter if you're hunting public land or private land. Use the maps to your advantage. Um, really learn property layout. One, if you've never been there, it'll help you keep from getting lost. And two, I mean, you can learn so much about what a deer is going to do based off of property. Um, you know, if you see thick areas next to not so thick areas, you know, deer are going to bed in the thick areas. So set up somewhere close to that. Don't just go into places with a blind eye, which I feel like a lot of public land hunters especially do. Um, so yeah, use maps to your advantage, get a game plan going. And then as far as scouting, yeah, I mean, during turkey hunt, t- turkey season, I scout for deer and during deer season, I'm scouting for turkey. Um, finding out what they're doing and where they're scratching at, where they're roosting at, and uh, and, and keeping a, a, a track of what's on the property as well. Uh, I run game cameras year-round, so I keep a – actually, I've kept in the past log books that um, if I'm watching, let's say, a certain buck, I'll log how many times he shows up at a place. And, uh, like, what's the wind direction that day? What time did he come out at, you know? Right. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, man, that's awesome. You know, the, uh, I've, how I look at this for scouting, scouting allows me never to have a unsuccessful hunt. And what I mean by that is like recently, you know, I went out with my son on opening youth day. We had a lot of action. Unfortunately, he just, he missed his opportunity and stuff. He had a shot, didn't, didn't close the deal there. It was great. You know, covered out uh, one of the last podcasts, but and I mean, we, we also spent time, you know, scouting for deer and stuff. And I went out two more times, uh, recently and you just get to that point where you're like, you're calling, calling, not getting action. And then for me, I'm big into, Hey, well, I'll go back out in the afternoon but I'm always scouting and I've just found that and I'm marking stuff on my map. I'll use that on X uh, app and I'm looking at food plots, places that they might eat, bed down location, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why for me, I, I find anytime I go out, 
it can always be successful if you actually look at scouting. It's not just necessarily about, you know, the hunt that you're going for, but it's also opportunity for future hunts. Uh, so take advantage of those opportunities. And I tell you what, I am absolutely ready for deer season now. I have yeah. found some great locations. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, me too, man. I uh, saw that they're already growing their nubs back. So here in a couple of, couple of months, we'll be uh, – Really looking forward to that early bow season, finding out what's in the area. So thankfully here in Tennessee, we have a late August velvet hunt. So we get one weekend where we can hunt private land only and uh, it's velvet only. So I'm looking forward to that coming in. A lot of, a lot of summer scouting for sure goes into that to find out what deer are doing and where they're going because they're easier to pattern at that time. But yeah, deer and turkey season, I mean, it's a great time to, to, to scout and see what bucks are doing there in the rut. Um, you, you, you see where, uh, old rubs have been and even scrapes. Cause I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll freshen up scrapes year round. Right. So yeah, it's a great time to prepare for the rut. Yeah, man. So I'll tell you the, uh, the, I, I like the fact that you have, you brought those things in there. Cause I think that, you know, that is one of the things that is overlooked is good scouting and how much time it really takes to develop and, you know, you, you mentioned about looking at the maps. I, I know all the real experienced hunters, uh, the guys that are out there, uh, influencers and people that have their own shows, they'll, they'll highlight that too about, you know, looking at the terrain, looking at the maps so you can make those estimates and stuff. So it's not just, you know, getting the shotgun, getting the rifle, getting the bow, whatever you may use for hunting um, as your tool it's getting that knowledge you know there's so much information out there and it does change terrain changes too you know like out here man we might have a good you know flooded area well it changes some things some dynamics and stuff especially on the routes that you know these animals might take to get from point to point whether it be bed down feed or maybe that territory's gone and they got to go to a new location so yeah man i really appreciate you bringing that stuff up and everything so far as like your like top five successful deer hunt i mean not deer hunt but turkey turkey hunting well what do you got for us get out there early find out where they're roosted if you can go out the night before roost birds that's even better but if you can get out there early in the morning you know i don't carry a crow call with me i just kind of do my own call and it sounds way worse than a crow but it works way better than a crow call <laughs> you know my son had a professional hunter not a professional but a professional caller uh with him he, he won uh, a guided hunt and uh yeah he did the same thing he had his own call he didn't use a crow call and uh what is the hammer something i can't remember the bird's name but there's also a different call but yeah he, he just used his own and it worked perfectly there was nothing but a rock concert going on until he did that oh yeah i mean it's always louder and you know, a whole lot freakier than a regular crow call. And that, that shocking factor is what gets those birds fired up. So yeah, man, uh, get out there early, get your boots on the ground and don't overcall too. Um, I, I, I am by no means a professional Turkey hunter. Um, but the things that I've learned over the years are, are simple things like that is, you know, don't overcall. I mean, you can overcall a bird and literally scare them away. Um, especially a lot of guys, they get nervous when that Tom goes silent, uh, when they, they don't hear him gobbling anymore. I think, Oh no, he's working away. I need to call more. I need to call more. Don't. I mean, if he goes silent, just be quiet because chances are he's either going to go check on a hen and come back to you or he's coming right into you. Right. Right. 
Yeah. So yeah, don't overcall and cover everything up, man. <laughs> don't have your hands exposed. Don't have your face exposed. Cause I've made that mistake before. <laughs> you know, I, uh, could not believe, um, how close my son and I on his hunt, we were able to get, we had a pack of five, uh, of five, uh, you know, Tom's it was a mix of Tom Jake's come in and, I mean, I could not, I, I almost felt like I could have just jumped on one. I mean, that's how close they came. I was blown, but we were in some tall grass and they were looking, I know they were looking for the decoy back there because they might've saw a little bit of red flash or something because yeah. they had to walk up this finger. And so when you get up on some point, they probably saw a little bit, but then they're walking down and then the grass takes over to where you can't see it anymore. So they're kind of doing that wander a little bit, but I was, I mean, I told him just that experience alone, the fact that we got that close. That is just just as much success because these things see so well, man. Oh, yeah, man. They see you blink at 100 yards. Um, you know, I would say, uh, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, setting up right on the field edge. Um, I would say it's sometimes even better set up 20 yards into the woods and uh, get, out of the, get out of the field because I mean, you're, you're more likely to be spotted wide out in the open than I've seen videos and had it happen to myself where I've set up 20 yards in the woods and the Tom comes right by me in the field and you got a perfect shot right there. Cause he's still looking for that hen thinking she's off in the woods. Right. The, uh, you know, a couple of things I learned just by listening to, you know, my friend Chuck and, you know, a couple other people is that is also that movement. You know, if, if they're not, we had, and this is a good example. We had these, uh, this group in the field, yeah, there's like three different groups all day. We were, we hunted in the morning, weren't successful, then came back out like at like the five o'clock time frame, and they're heading back to the roost. And we were able to really get the attention of one group, but it was, you know, we called quiet moved back way back into the woods called again right and then they kind of you could see their whole transition because i would go back out and kind of like low crawl look you could see their interest they're kind of looking a little bit of movement a little bit of movement and then you know wait a little bit call again and then they start making that forward progress and then you know it's just i mean i found that that movement was pretty successful uh, with that. And I picked that up on with the, uh, the other caller earlier that day, um, what he was doing and just taking notes of the success. And that worked for that group though, for that group in, in that area may not work for a different area, but also so that guy, I think that goes with knowing the area that you're hunting because you know, that, that group might react differently. You're hundred percent correct, man. hundred percent correct. Well, so if people wanted to find you and, and uh, look at your videos and follow you and stuff like that or connect with you. Now, you also run like an, an outdoors uh, store and stuff. No, um, I started Eight Point Outdoors as honestly just a, a vlog. Um, I just okay. wanted to record. I, I've been hunting and fishing since, you know, I could walk. And so y- you take all these pictures, you have all these memories, but I wanted something that I could visually go back and look at. So I decided to start, you know, taking pictures on Instagram and recording different hunts that I did. And that led into us buying a video camera and a DSLR and started recording hunts because I thought, man, this is going to be good memories 20 years down the road to be able to look at and say, hey, that buck that I have on the wall, I have that on video. Like I can go back and be able to relive that memory all over again. Um, So that's how that started. And um, I've really just enjoyed being able to video stuff and um, make those memories, but also offer advice in the videos for maybe somebody that is 
starting out or not experienced um, in 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 the hunting world and fishing world, um, anything that I can do to help them be successful or help them make a memory is uh, to me worth it. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. That that's super cool. And uh, yeah, just so we make sure we get it, where, where can we find you at? Eight Point Outdoors on Instagram. That's uh, the word eight, not the number eight. And then same thing on YouTube, uh, Eight Point Outdoors. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. I've actually got a video dropping here in eight minutes, which will be part one of that turkey hunt where basically everything that could go wrong went wrong. And part two will drop next week for that. All right, man. Well, thank you, Jesse. Thank you so much for your time uh, bringing uh, your hunts onto the show. And yeah, man, we'll love to have you back sometime. And, you know, deer season pulls up, we'll probably give you a call and bring you back on. That'll be great, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the work that you guys do as well. Hey, thank you so much. We'll be talking to you, brother. Thank you. We'd like to feature your successes in outdoor adventure, so shoot the pics over to us with a brief story, route16.com, and select contact. That's route16.com, and select contact. On Target. Welcome to our On Target segment, where we receive the inside scoop on brands, products, and training that can help you step up your hunt and range game. This week, Ron from Riker USA covers the three Fs of fitness. What's up, everybody? It's Ron with Riker USA coming to you with this week's On Target segment on the Route 16 Grind Podcast. And we're going to talk about the three Fs of fitness, fighting, and firearms. And the one we're going to focus on this week is fitness. We talked about it before and having a routine in a situation like this, in this pandemic, in this lockdown that we're all in is, is the thing that's going to get you through. You have to have that, that constant drive, that thing that's keeping you going every day so you don't sit around and start feeling sorry for yourself and getting lazy and just falling into a bad rut. You have to stay active. Fitness and mental health go hand in hand. They will feed each other, they will strengthen each other, and they will get you through. It's as important as breathing, and it needs to be a priority in your life. The exercise and the commitment to fitness will breed self-discipline. Self-discipline will breed positivity. It will breed. It will breed just an an outlook, a can-do attitude, even in the harshest of times. Like we said, a lot of people might be having a problem being isolated and having to be home. Talk to a veteran, reach out to him. So that thing is that that suggestion is still out there. Now everything's closed. The gyms are closed. You don't need a gym to get your fitness in and get it in where you can fit it in during the pandemic. There's no shortage of online training options that are available to you. And I'm going to talk about a few that we have been using for a long time prior to this pandemic. We're really big into the garage gym. We got tired of dealing with gym drama and paying fees and all that stuff. So we have found a bunch of different options. And my wife and I, and we set a really good example for our our three-year-old son. And we work out every morning in our in our garage or driveway, depending on what the weather's doing. And our days usually start off with a brute force sandbag workout. These guys are amazing. I've been an ambassador with them for over two years. And 
They are a veteran-owned company where everything is manufactured and made in Denver, Colorado. They have a variety of options of bags, and you can make them as light or as heavy as you want. It's all up to what challenge you're looking for that day. And the thing I like about these is that it allows you to take your fitness with you. So if you're going on a road trip or you're traveling and you're not going to be home or you're not going to be able to go to your gym, you can bring an empty sandbag with you on the plane, stop by your Lowe's, wherever you land when we get back to where we can fly and travel freely within the free United States, pun intended, and pick up a $5 bag of play yard sand, uh, playground sand and put it in your bag and work out for the few, you know, while you're there, then dump it before you get on the plane, pack your, pack it back in and go home. I keep them in my truck when I, when I travel and, um, I, I love them. The thing I like about them most is they have the brute force app. You need to download it. It's free. doesn't cost you anything. And there are three kick ass workouts on there every single day, a warm up, an accessory workout, and then a, a workout. Today's workout workout just to, to give you an example it took me 35 minutes it was rough but it was awesome and I feel great now even when I'm recording this eight hours later we have a discount code for you to use it is alpha Mike Bravo 7718 alpha Mike Bravo 7718 the next thing I want to go into is crossover symmetry Check these guys out. These guys make bands and it comes with a little workout card for you and all the information is there. If you have any type of shoulder mobility, elbow mobility, upper body restrictions, this thing would really get you sorted out. Lots of physical therapists are going to this and orthopedic surgeons for what it does. We've been using this for two years and we swear by it. Sorry guys, I don't have a discount code, but that's crossover symmetry. And you also want to pick up one of their hip halos. This thing will get your lower back and your hips fired up and um, feeling really, really good, especially if we're just sitting around a lot in our own homes. You know, one of the things that's important about this is, is you want to train to be hard to kill. You want movement and mobility in your life. They they are the key to a long, healthy life. Sitting on our butts for eight-hour days does not help, does not improve anything. You've got you to get this in. you got to move. <clears throat> Another thing that I've been using for a long time is the Onnit Steel Mace and Onnit Clubs. And O-N-N-I-T, they're out of Austin, Texas. There's a ton of information on their website. O-N-N-I-T.com, and I love their stuff, but I also follow a guy named Coach Vaughn on YouTube, and this guy has some of the best tutorials, how-to technique. He's giving you coaching for free on his YouTube channel, so check him out, and he does everything from kettlebells to uh, the maces and the and the clubs, and if you guys aren't familiar with this, just Google Steel Mace. And you will see some cool stuff. I'm going to tell you the thing I like about the mace is it really, mentally, I get to engage in a, on a whole different plane. I find it very therapeutic um, as well as physically difficult, but I feel just recharged. Uh, the movements are very primal. They're very uh, warrior-esque, and I think that's what I really why I thrive to it. But I swing my mace at least 200 reps every single day. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of time and it just feels good and you get into your flow. Another good guy you could follow on Instagram is the Viking Bahala Training Center and that's in the UK and that's their their Instagram page. Check them out. They put out a lot of good uh, training videos. 
another company that I have been associated with for probably eight years is Sornex Exercise Equipment in uh, in South Carolina. These guys are again in house manufacturing, American made. They make the most amazing uh, gym to like racks and everything that you've ever seen, but they make a lot of accessory things too, like a center mass belt, center mass belt CMB is their version of a kettle belt. You put your hand in the center of it. There's no handle. So you're not getting beat up when you're swinging this thing over your head. Uh, I think they're really versatile. They come in a variety of weights. We use these all the time. Um, you, and they're durable obviously because they're made of iron. Uh, but one of the things that one of the things that they did uh, during this pandemic is they launched the off-grid rack. It is their most basic rack. It doesn't require a lot of space, so you can set it up in your house. You can set it up in your garage. Uh, it's it, you know after it's delivered, I think it's you know right about four hundred and fifty dollars. They have four colors, I think, that you can choose from, and it's a basic rack, but it's solid. And um, I, I tell you guys, I wouldn't recommend this these products if I haven't used them or trusted trusted the brand that's in this rack all you need then is a bar and some and some plates they sell that or you can you know check plate against sports people are always selling gym equipment and you can always pick some stuff up you know and a lot of times too is you'll be able to find information you know on their websites as far as training options and working out uh, you know in the recon community we have you know Old, old school dudes, we were really big into our, we called it the short card and a long card. And this is just basically a list of calisthenics of, you know, sit-ups, flutter kicks, acon bodybuilders, push-ups, mountain climbers, anything that you could do that caused a lot of pain but actually worked on your endurance. We would do these things. So you, you don't need a lot of room. You don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need a lot of space to really just push yourself physically and mentally. Uh, something else that that's pretty new to our gym here at home is the Inerta Wave system. These, if you guys have seen these, if you've seen battle ropes before, these are like big rubber bands. These things are awesome. And the thing that they do is they, I think that I like it. They give you a lot. I think they're a lot more versatile than the traditional ropes. I think you can get a lot more out of it. And I think that they actually create a little less, um, you know, damage to the body i think it's a little bit better for you and we have a discount code for you and it's super easy it's riker usa uh so check them out as well you know one of the things too that's always good is add a punching bag punching bag is just a great release but it's a great heart rate thing um you know you depending on the type of bag we actually just ordered a water bag um I noticed because of injuries that I've sustained, hitting the heavy bag all the time, it hurts. It does actually does a lot more damage to me than it does good. I've been doing my research, and the water bags are pretty much designed to help you help guys with with joint and mobility issues. One other product that I've been using for a while that has an app and it's awesome is this, is cross ropes. So you have to go on. You don't have to buy the ropes, but it. it works better if you do because they're all it's a whole weighted system they chain interchange really quick and i gotta tell you the the you can they have a hundreds of workouts on their app uh endurance strength recovery all like all these different different things on there and uh the cross ropes is pretty neat um if you're not good at jump rope you'll be good after about three or four days of doing uh doing some of their workouts so again guys 
Don't be stagnant. Don't sit around. You got to get up and move. Movement is the key to life. If you're sore and everything like this, I tell you like this is I'm in pain every single day. I keep moving. I keep moving because it hurts less when I'm moving and I have to remain active as I, because I have a three-year-old, so there's no excuses and there is no days off. Uh, and I also want to set a good example for him to grow up and understand that fitness is the root. Fitness is part of our life. And it is, as like I said, when we started this, it is as important as breathing. So fitness guys get it in where you can fit it in you don't need a gym stay positive okay have a plan have a routine get that mental health and that physical health on the same page uh self-discipline self-discipline breeds so much positivity in your life through exercise and fitness and then uh you know what's the biggest one i just forgot running uh some of us love us and some of us hate it but i will tell you what uh you don't need a treadmill because it's free to run and it's free to do push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups on the tree branch or whatever so you guys thanks for listening and uh, i will see you guys next week Hey, this is Nikki G, and I'm sure, as well as everybody, this COVID-19 self-quarantine thing is really starting to wear on me, and uh, I feel bad for the healthcare workers and all the people stuck in the hospitals, uh, eating nothing but hospital food for a couple of weeks. That's got to be bad. So uh, my heart goes out to you guys and everybody else, and... uh Hopefully life will get back on track soon, and uh, Bigfoot will continue our game of hide-and-seek soon, I promise. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. You know, we can probably take a page out of Bigfoot's game with the whole self-isolation thing. Yeah, I mean, it's yet to be discovered. But, uh, <laughs> Has he? Has he? Uh, I don't know. Government claims they have him, but, geez, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki G always, always bringing comic levity to any situation. In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine Warren products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference, will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go worn. Welcome to The Rock, Mud, and Dirt, this segment where I talk about people, brands, products, and events from the off-road world. This week, we have some sad news to report. Top Sail Island Jeep Week has been canceled. Now, this is an event that I go back with that I really enjoyed when I first started Route 1.6. I really attached myself to this event. This event was made uh, possible by volunteers from the Top Sail community, Top Sail Island community. And it's the... Uh, the business people, the uh, tourism, like everyone would kind of chip in and try and figure out a way to make this 
this uh, event a success. And there was a lot of clubs that attached themselves to it. Uh, the very first time I met ZUC Jeeple, who comes all the way from the Charlotte area, uh, Union County, North Carolina, and that was a big event for them. And so this is really going to hurt. And a lot of it is to what's going on right now with this whole COVID thing. Uh, events are going to relook at what they got to do in the future, how they're going to run them. And with this one being a volunteer pure event, uh, it just probably wasn't worth the risk from the community. And I understand where they're coming from, but I highly encourage you to throw them some support, get on their Facebook page and tell them you love them and everything. And, and if there's anything that you can do for them, you know, the, the businesses in that community are hurting too. Believe me, this was tough for them to do because they are basically telling people don't come here. And so that is business that won't be coming. So it is, it's pretty tough. And that was pretty huge. It's had a great, uh, the uh, O course was something that when you look at Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam, this was one of the O courses they looked at and said, man, we want to do something like that. This was an, um, an amazing O course that they would spend months building, constructing, and it was extremely challenging. I remember when we had the Route 16 tent popped up right next to the O course, it was just carnage going on a lot of things getting stuck tractors having to go out there pick up vehicles etc and uh you know what brian draper from uh caroline trails off-road even helped the guy fix his uh front axle uh, it didn't turn out so well for him when he went on the o course so and that guy ended up buying a high lift jack from us because he needed it but this event i tell you it just it's really tough for me to watch from afar and see this not happening i totally understand it and that's part of that personal attachment that's kind of happened this covid event and it's, it's really sad to see. I totally get it. But I do feel uh, when all this kind of goes over and we figure out what's the right way to do events and how we do it in the future, this will be one of those things will be reignited. And we might even say again, but it needs your support and it needs your contribution. And that contribution may not just be money, but it could meet your time. So stay tuned. Get with the club out there. Give them some support. Get on Facebook, uh, on your Facebook, find Top Sail Island Jeep Week and give them some love. I'm sure they would appreciate it. Want to be on the show? Maybe share with us some interesting hunting, fishing, overlanding, wheeling, or adventuring news? Then give us a call at the Route 16 Grind Hotline at 919-694-3356 and maybe you will be on our next show. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by Seasteak Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to Seasteak Coffee. Seasteak Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. Yeah, man, that was a, a really good show. We had a great interview uh, with Jesse from 8 Point Outdoors and Ron always bringing it from Riker USA. And he has some special offers uh, or basically some discount codes from some great stuff from Brute Force Training and Inertia Wave. And he talked about some of those products and so many others. And of course, we talked about the COVID stuff. Man, I, I really felt good about this show, man. I don't know about you. No, I I, I do as well. You know, <laughs> after taking some small hey this is hey uh, people are busy hey this is going on you know I, we just want to put out the 
you know, the very best that we can in informative content and, you know, sharing our like-minded opinions. So no, th- this is, uh, this is one of the better ones and I, I, I feel great about it as well. Yeah. I tell you, um, I was I was going to make a I was going to try and go turkey hunting this weekend, but it ain't going to happen. I got just too much going on. We got a bunch of gravel that was dropped that we're putting around uh, our yard and stuff, and I need to get that done. And I want to spend some time with my niece who's been out here. So my niece, man, I mean, she models in New York and L.A. So she's done Fashion Week and both New York Fashion Week and L.A. Fashion Week. Her whole life has changed right now because that industry, it's not like you're doing a lot of shows. And so I want to go do some stuff with her, but she's doing a good job keeping content with all her uh, stuff that she has going on. Uh, her stuff is Alaskan Nikki. If anybody's interested in following her, uh, she is a, a great young lady and uh, I'm so blessed to have her as a niece. And then, you know, so that this weekend, I'm not really going to be able to get out, but next week I'm going to try and get out. And as well, the next two weeks, the season closing out pretty soon. My buddy, Brian, uh, my other, I have, I have a lot of friends named Brian, uh, as of the last few years, but a guy that I am a coworker with finally got his gobbler, man. He sent me a picture today and I'm so excited for him, man. Cause he, uh, he missed an opportunity. Uh, I think it was last week he went out and he closed the deal this week, man. So I'm really excited for him. Yeah. You'll definitely have to post those pictures cause <laughs> that was one that was one that needs to be shared for sure and as for your niece <laughs> just because you know we're so intertwined brian you know i i, I saw the <laughs> i've saw some of her work since we've been quarantined and my goodness man is that girl like <laughs> she is so content oriented and like you know just bring in new intuitive things to be fun be funny stay busy and you know stay relevant during these times that it's like hey even though you're quarantined locked up if you're not essential like get, have fun with it you know post something funny fun and you know just roll with it so i, I definitely i definitely really appreciate that and i think a lot of people do as well yeah she's great uh special girl right there and then uh you know far as like the stuff you know ron brought you know keeping the mind right keeping the body right staying focused and you know find the time to apply those things i'll tell you what my wife has been a phenomenal example like her and my niece been killing it man they've been working out like twice a day and like literally dude i'm like god i need to change my game here man i need to start like getting back in the gym (laughs) and stuff so i'm kind of feeling humbled here man like they'll come in all all worked out and stuff and i got like a bag of tortitos and i'm like oh shit man (laughs) oh my god do something dude (laughs) go for a run yeah All right, I challenge you to do 100 push-ups a day for 30 days. How about that? Oh, I've done that, man. Uh, Do it now. Yeah, I'm doing this podcast right now, but yeah. But yeah, like the first, I'll tell you what, the first week will will definitely be punishing for sure. Uh, That right there would be like, oh my goodness, I can't like, well, I guess you type now, so we don't have to worry about writing too much. But um. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, right. <laughs> I got finger cramp. Um, but yeah, I, I I just been really busy with work, man. We got some training going on too, so my company's been a real good job about maximizing a, a lot of things here. And I think some of you out there too. I mean, this is this is an opportunity too. Uh, if if you got some time or some projects you need to close out, uh, utilize that time. If you got and if you're looking at possibly uh, as silly as it sounds, maybe starting a new business. This you know, if you got something that is you know tied into the needs of what people want. 
right now, uh, hey, let's go do it. I mean, there's there are opportunities. It just takes your creativity and your drive to do it. No different than getting my butt back in the gym, right? To just it's all it is is motivation. Either you do it or you don't. There's there's really not a uh, well. It's just it. Either you do it or you don't. There is no in between, right? I think yeah. Yoda said that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Something like that. Oh man, just nerded out there. <laughs> and I, I think that it's just, it's, it's an opportunity. If you see a lull or a downside and Hey, you know, this is something I could contribute to society in this capacity, in this regard, in this day and age, you know, feel free to do so. If it's nothing more than, you know, bettering yourself, take this time to better yourself physically, mentally, you know, to do something, learn something new, you know, uh, all you got to do is in whatever capacity you're able to operate in, do it. Do it while you're sitting at home now. Don't use this time to just chill out and vegetate and yeah. you know, be complacent. You know, when I just kind of want to zone out, I do that like literally at the end of the day. My end of the day generally is somewhere between, you know, 9, 10, 11 o'clock. And I literally will watch a show about that time just to get, I don't want to go to bed with all this stuff in my mind from my other projects and my work. I want to just literally, you know, go to something else. So I, I've been watching The Sopranos. Like I, I, oh. I only watched a little bit of it when it was actually on. So now I'm literally going through the entire Sopranos and I literally told my wife, I can see why this was a big deal show, man. Like, you know, I'm all like yeah. validating it now to it's off the air for like, you know, how long, probably a decade or Sorry. something. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but you I, I can't contain myself. Do you know how some people get with like, I don't know, Star Wars and their whole, you know, uh, that Deadpool person? You right. know how there's like a literal following, like, oh, I am this person, oh, I am this person, I'm this side and that side, Game of Thrones, whatever. That was another one. Walking Dead. I am like that with The Sopranos, obviously. I have oh, really? Age and whatever, but like, you know, that show from 1990s. 899 to 2006-7. Oh my goodness. That is that was the pinnacle of HBO TV for me. My gosh, was that like they need to bring more shows like that back. <laughs> yeah, it has pretty good content. There's some of it I'm kind of like, eh, you know. I am not uh, the the guy that's uh, the the big Christopher. I'm I'm I'll be honest with you. I'm not a really good big fan of his character. I think he has some good he has some good uh opportunities. But it's kind of it's kind of a wishy washy character, man. Because I don't think he would have made it past like season two, in the real like I don't know mob world, you know, relative or not. Because you just see like dudes getting capped, like you know whatever. But I just I don't know, man. I'm kind of like some of it. I'm just kind of like yeah, whatever. But it is what it is. It, it's the following that even in 2020, you know, even that far back when that show aired on HBO, you know, we were watching it. it it's like, you know, you're still saying capping, whacking. <laughs> you yeah. <know>? The legacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, so this is a uh, Soprano lives on, you know. That was a that was a very good show and I think that it was well written, you know. James Gandolfini played a really good main character. Yeah, he did, man. And the fact that all right, yeah, no spoilers, you might not have got there yet, but it was one of those shows that left the ending open-ended oh yeah i know about the ending dude that was like news for like i don't know a year oh, all right people well, still haven't let it go that that yeah let, it, that let you think 
that let you think as not only an individual but a populist but and a viewer you know i i think that that was revolutionary and i think that it hasn't really been done since because a lot of people just want to be force-fed hey this is what happened this is how i, I don't think you're going to sell it on some people dude like i talked to a couple people already they're like yeah that ending dude they haven't they still have that chip on their shoulder no i get what you're saying from an artistic point of view later. they don't care they they want it force fed. They want to close. They want closure. Okay. They want closure. People need that from when you're watching a sitcom or whatever the case may be, a series. People do want closure. That whole open ended thing works great for a book because then you're thinking, hey, am I going to write a book? Another book is is it? Are you you know it's a marketing ploy for this just to end it that way, knowing there's nothing going to come behind it. Yeah, I, I kind of get their know. point. Maybe it's just the analyst in me that appreciates that because I'm like, oh, I want to know what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to. I want to formulate my own ending. But so this has been the Sopranos revisited, uh, part of the Root One Sis Grind <laughs> podcast. <laughs> hey, I, I tell you what, we review TV shows now. Yeah, so talking to Jesse's interview was so awesome, man. I so enjoyed. Like, I literally like I talked to him 20 minutes after the interview too. Uh, it was a really great interview. I so enjoyed the knowledge he put out. And I learned something about Tennessee, man. I don't know if you caught it during his interview. You know how many tags they get in Tennessee? <laughs> Six. Six. Yeah. That dude's crushing it. I don't know if you, if you guys are not following Eight Point Outdoors Instagram and you're a turkey hunter, you're wrong. You need to follow this dude's Instagram, man. And he also is on YouTube. The link will be in the show, uh, in the show notes. I'm telling you right now, you need to follow this guy. He is crushing it, man. I don't know. He has some, uh, I think, family property out in Tennessee. Man, I, I tell you what, I need to go find that property and stuff, dude. Like, hey, hey, Jesse, we need to come best buds, man. <laughs> but uh, no. Yeah, just, but seriously, just I am so impressed with it. And he's what he offered was realistic approaches and what we shared and we talked about. And again, you hear the same thing. You know, it, like Chuck and I talked about it earlier this year. You and I have talked about it. And Jesse brought it up too. Scouting. You just cannot do enough scouting, man. So I equivalent scouting to... <clears throat> You know, some of you out there may be freaks of nature, but that's, <laughs> that's a totally different topic. But it's like, how can you study and, you know, effectively execute a, a passing grade on a test without a study guide? You know, if scouting is your study guide, you know, you can't go out there expecting to kill an animal, whether it be a turkey, a hog, a, a deer, elk, moose, whatever, bear, uh, without you know, even just glancing at your study guide. If it's once, twice, three times, a lady, whatever. Um, you gotta, you gotta get out there and know the lay of the land, know the you know normal formations of how these animals are traveling, traveling your you know whatever respective area you're presuming to hunt. Scouting is key. Scouting is key to success. You know what I love about turkey hunting. It's not bait hunting. Like you can't yeah. be throwing out corn and all this other stuff. And um, now you can obviously have cameras up and anything, but you really do uh, need to hunt. And it's funny when you talk to people who don't hunt turkey and they say, man, I see these things all the time just walking across. I talked to a, a friend of mine today who actually does live in Tennessee and he's not a, a hunter at all. And he's like, man, I see these things. I like, just don't realize these and these animals like a true wild turkey like these things are not as easy as just crossing the road and all this other stuff um and on top of it 
you don't have the same resources. Like, you know, if you're one of these guys that have these leases and you got feeders and all sorts of stuff like that for your deer season, which is fine. I mean, Hey, it's a, it's a way to hunt. I got that. But yeah, you don't have that luxury with Turkey. You really need to scout it. You, uh, and even when you know where they're at, they may not even come out. They might say, yeah, man, we know you there, but I'm not interested right now. I think that's pretty true. Well, that's very true. Let me, let me digress a little bit again for the second time in this podcast, but you know, they, uh, they're very sporadic in nature. They, you know, they, they might find a new area. They might follow their senses just to scratch. Uh, and like you said, they might be hend up with one particular hen in a previous episode, you know, they might be hend up. They might like the pitch, the sound, the tone, the raspiness, whatever, of one particular hen. And you could call to them all day. They'll gobble. They'll respond to you. But they'll still be a mile and a half away. So I think turkeys are very, very challenging. And I think turkey hunters demand a lot of respect because, you know, not only do they have very, very keen eyesight, but, you know, they're very particular in what they choose to act on and, you know, to to, to neglect, to react on, uh, you know, on any given day. So definitely scout definitely takes a lot of luck for sure. Takes a lot of skill. And you know, that, that, that's just, that's just the piece to the pie there. Yeah. It's, it's kind of what I told Jesse. I never feel I have a bad hunt because when I'm out there, if I'm just not having success with that certain animal, I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for that same for them signs. Cause every, every time you go out, if you're going out and actually truly hunting, you're going to come out smarter, better and more knowledgeable and ready for that next time that you go out there. Um, I'm real eager to get back out to the Sand Hills game lands, man, and continue scouting that area. And maybe you and I can link up sometime and I'll take you where I was at, uh, over, uh, by, uh, camp mccall area i I mean i tell you that there was some uh, opportunities there for sure not just for turkey but definitely i'm i'll tell you what i'm ready for deer season man i got some good stuff on my on x i know and it's like (laughs) i don't know for for everybody it's different it's like some people it's turkey that that is their niche for me yes i i'm admittedly one of those archery fanatics that it's like deer hunting I don't know the thunderous gobble when it comes in within, you know, 30 yards or less that that's exciting, you know, because I always say it doesn't matter if it's a squirrel or a moose or bear, you know, if you ever lose that, that buck fever, we'll just all encompass that, that shaking feeling that, that like, you know, even 20 minutes after the kill and, you know, you're taking pictures and you're starting to, you know, in the field process, you need to get out of the woods because you don't need to just kill an animal if you don't have that, you know, that experience. So that's always something I've lived by. But, you know, I get the quote unquote buck fever for a lot of things. But the thing that really does it for me is those those giant bucks and, you know, early season in velvet, you know, in archery season. That, that's what does it for me. But I will tell you, there's uh, there's something about <laughs> there's something about patterning turkeys, and a strutting tom with that 12 inch beard that or double beard even that's dragging the ground. You know. Yeah, just- I, I want to say Jesse. Uh, I do want to say he got a double bearded one uh, just recently after the interview. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, it's it's possible. Yeah, I, mean, I want to say he did, man. Remember, I got to look on uh, his Instagram or something. Uh, but you know, I, I think that was him. Although I've been talking to a few turkey hunters lately, <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, I I know somebody in my circle's got a double bearded one, and that's pretty exciting, right there. Really exciting. In fact, you know what? When Jesse was talking about too, uh, remember no spurs. Um, no spurs. No spurs. It happens. Crazy. Like, uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. So I, I personally, I've never heard of that, but then again, you know, I'm just a you know, born again hunter. So been out of the circle and, uh, again, Chuck, grateful man, uh, hooking a brother up. I'll, I think that's why I think I get so excited for turkey, uh, hunting because that's when I really jump back into it. Even though pheasant hunting is what got me back interested far as going on that hunt with Chuck is really what committed me to say, yep, I need to get back into hunting. So I really appreciate that. Well, Hey, you know, I just hope everyone's doing okay. Um, you know, if you, if you're not, make sure to reach out to somebody, uh, anybody hit up me, hit up Ethan, somebody, uh, whatever the case. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there to, that are having some trouble, but you do have somebody that will listen to you. Um, and there are resources available. So this is a tough time for you. Uh, don't make it tougher. We can make it easier. Reach out and, uh, you know, contact somebody and, and we'll lend it ear. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us. Remember, if you have an idea or maybe you would like to contribute to the one of our segments, all you have to do is go to Route16.com and select contact and let us know your idea. The Route16.com and select contact. Thanks for listening to the Route16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, Sea State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. Jake, take a peek.